0: This is the West Point Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us online this week. If you'd like to give or support West Point Church in any way, you can visit westpoint.org slash give. We hope you enjoy today's message and have a great rest of your week. Uh, this morning is kind of the last message that I'll on this. Uh, Jesus and Paul's and uh, we've had a lot of fun with this. Um, and that was kind of my, my hope from the beginning. Politics can be such a divisive issue, and, and people have such strong opinions. I know none of you do. Strong opinions about politics or anything like that. Uh, but it can be such a, a divisive issue that we wanted to maybe some lighthearted process as well. Um, we don't have to all take ourselves so seriously. And even though there are serious issues in the world, we can still relax. We can still have fun sometimes. And so I hope that you had some fun with us in this process and i hope um through this that it's it's kind of helped shape the way not necessarily what you believe politically but what how you think and react towards people who um, agree with you and disagree with you as well and uh this last message i, I really want to focus on some of the that are and talk about how to deal with those things as Christians, and how kind of um, still believe in the same God, same Bible, still believe the same things, and come to different conclusions on these, these topics. And, and you know, there are some that, you know, it's not it's not clear, and there are some things in Scripture that are patently clear. And so, um, what I hope that we would, this um, morning, is where we can honestly say, that scripture is my guide and then everything else filters out from there we have to start to um, begin there and then let that and develop our system and and I want to talk about a guy named Joseph he was on uh, the nation of judah when israel was in the kingdoms there was israel and there was judah and the nation of israel which was 10 of had split off into that nation and they pretty much had a succession of awful kings. I mean, all of them were bad. Every single one of them did the Lord they led him into ended up in captivity years after the nation of Judah who kind of went, you know, on some of somewhat decent and awful kings and good king awful king and uh this this Josiah that we're going to look at today, he became king as an 8-year-old. Now, think about that.
1: <laughs> a six-year-old and a 10-year-old ten- difference
0: to oldest kids right now, like, that is who is leading the nation. That is crazy, right? And, and the heritage that this kid had, I'm telling you, he had a lot to be in the that he was in. Uh, Grandpa, we're going to start by just talking little bit about him. His name was Manasseh. And Manasseh set up idols to other false gods in the temple. And he let them worship those false gods. 2 Kings chapter 12 and it kind of sums up his reign in verse 16. It says, Moreover Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Besides the that he made Judah to sin so that they did what was evil of the Lord. I feel a lot better about
1: sin
0: in our country, right? And He, he shed so much blood that he fill, you could fill Jerusalem from one end. To Maybe that's a little bit of hype. That's a pretty convincing image that he's giving to us. This is Josiah's grandpa. By the way, he became king when he was 14. Um, that's a lot of pressure I put on a teenager okay uh, now I don't know about you but decisions in the world when I was five years old here's what it says the Bible says about Ammon he walked in all the way in which his father walked that's a good start right living up to the heritage of his father and so the rules that his father worshiped them this is how his uh, the the people that that worked for him conspired against him and had him killed and they made his son king and as I said his son Josiah was eight years old when he became king so this is his legacy grandpa was the most evil king that Israel had ever had to that point uh, he set up idol worship in the temple To the one true God, he shed so much innocent blood that you flood the city streets with it. His son,
1: like his dad, that was
0: that people that worked for him rose up and killed him and put an eight-year-old in charge of the kingdom. So Josiah was not exactly set up for success in his leadership. Okay, He was in a pretty rough place. As an eight-year-old, he was asked to lead this nation. And what the Bible says about him in 2 Kings 22, and if you want to follow along, this is where we're going to spend all our time this morning. Second Kings 22, verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah. Of Adiah, Boscah, right in the eyes of the Lord. Eight years old, and he walked in all the way of David, his father. Now we're talking. David was generations before Josiah. And here's what it says: and he did not turn to the right or to the left. Now. Here's the thing, church, and I want you to understand this. We're going to learn something from this godly eight-year-old kid. The word of God has called you to the narrow path that leads to life. Right? That's that's the way that Jesus described the path that we're supposed to live on. It's narrow because there's not there's not a lot of people that can, are, are going to stick.
1: Right? And Narrow is the gate.
0: and the gate that leads to destruction. And can I tell you something? Politics will always want to pull you to the right or to the left. Claimers here before we actually get into the, the meat of this message. First of all, I'm going to just state this from the beginning. I realize that statistically the audience um, that is listening today, that you folks predominantly conservative all right let's let's just acknowledge statistically 90% of white evangelical believers identify as politically conservative add to that the fact that we live in a predominantly conservative community and add to that the fact that i'm most of your i'm friends with you on facebook and i i, I know what you're doing politically okay <laughs> so that's where we're starting today and 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 i just want to recognize that because if it seems like i'm conservative,
1: okay? It's just, to understand,
0: why isn't he talking to the other side of the church here, okay? Second, when I say that politics want to pull us to the right or to the left, I'm not saying that that, the position that if you're in between, Democrat, that is the correct question, okay? Um, What I'm saying there is that there are extremes on both ends and sometimes uh, one side or the other is the, the biblical position. Um, so I'm not saying that you need to split the difference and that's the right path. I'm just saying that things that want to pull us from either direction to an unhealthy and an unholy place. And I want our, us as believers, people of faith, to shape our political values around our identity of Christ. Rather than as a political party shaping what we value as Christians, you know, I know that we—that's what we want. The Truth is, the way that our culture is set up and the way that our political system is set up, it's not easy to get to believing something. The political party that closest, cl- most closely fits my values believes that, and I want us to recenter on the word. God first. Everything else is from there. Some of the things that we're going to talk about um, this morning is that there are some issues that are just Christian issues. It's not political. It's not a matter of whether you're Republican or Democrat. It's just, it's just a Christian issue. And if you're a Christian, this is what the Bible clearly states. I should value that as truth. But there are a lot of issues that are philosophical political and you can make a biblical case for both sides and that's why we have differentiation within the church and and can I tell you something that is okay all right We're able to love each other and better even when we disagree philosophically
1: so the third that disclaimer that is that
0: I want to strongly encourage you. As a Christian, to participate in this election that's coming up, to prayerfully vote for the candidate you feel that God is looking for. And and while I will say some things that are critical of our political system today, uh, there are some serious faults in the way that our country is set up. I do love this country. I'm proud to be an American citizen. I believe that God has used this nation to accomplish. Things and, and be a part of it, and the people is day that,
1: that we're gonna. Um, only way brokenness was to eliminate where we have have the vote
0: and for the that we think support the things that, that we believe in. As Christians. And so I'm grateful for that. So I don't want this to come off as cynical or sarcastic in any way at all. But I, I do want us to recognize that our political system does tend to move us sometimes in an unhealthy way. Um, so let's talk about some of these challenges that, that we face as Christians in the political world. Um, you know, um, there's one issue right now. Uh, we as Christians have taken a stand on, and we've rightly taken a stand on this issue, and that's the issue of abortion. And, and I'm not going to sugarcoat this at all. Um, our nation is divided on this p- particular issue, but the church shouldn't be. Okay, there's only one side <laughs> when it comes to abortion. Uh, what we do to unborn babies in this nation is disgusting. It is an abortion. It is wrong, and sinful. Psalm 139 talks about how God formed us and knits us together in our mother's womb. That divine
1: spirit, and God
0: has ordained it that way. And for us to say that woman until it's born is just wrong. And so even though I uh, contradict what uh this is me. if you murder a pregnant woman, you can be charged with murder. At the same time, we have doctors to commit murder at incredible rates every day. Now I will say this: there is hope for this issue. Okay, and and listen, honestly, be frank. I'm not that Supreme Court is our salvation on this issue. Uh, We've had conservative Supreme Courts before, and they have not overturned Roe v. Wade. And even if they do Roe v. Wade, we have a long way before we're in the right place as a nation. But can I tell you something? Abortion has been on a decline. For years now in this nation. That's something because we're doing better at alternatives and other solutions. We're doing better at, at teaching um, people who are not ready for the responsibility of parenthood, responsible, and that better in that way because it's costing less life. And that is a good thing, and we can rejoice. In that, but we can't be complacent either. We can't sit on our laurels, and watch this continue to happen, to watch millions of babies murdered as a result. And so there, there are two different fronts where this battle is being waged, and one of them is the spectrum, we as Christians we need to advocate for something to be done in that realm, and we also need to be sure that we're taking care of people who have pregnancies that unwanted and we need to show love and compassion and we need to help those women in situations to have alternatives and, and I, we, need to, we need to take the lead on this as the church we can't settle and let the government deal with that this has to be us we have to have compassion and we have to have care for those mothers who are in that situation listen a pregnancy that's that's not before that happens and before you're ready to to go that, that can be a complete life disruptor and so we need to have compassion for women who are going through that and let them know that there are alternatives to terminating that pregnancy. We need, to, we need to do better as a church. We need to show a lot, a lot of times those women are being ostracized because they made a bad choice because they, they to, to have sex outside that God had intended in a marriage relationship they're in an unhealthy space. the church. We've we've gotten so upset by the decisions that we made that we've rejected them and now they've turned to an abortion clinic instead of to the church for support. We can't anymore. We show love and compassion. Not that we're advocating or condoning sin, but we're showing so that we can preserve a life. Um, now I will be um, the first to admit that uh, our biggest flaw is that, that we as a haven't stepped up here either, but but I think we need to continue to fight this battle on the political front as well. We need to let people know that this is not something that we are going to be willing to tolerate as a nation anymore. So there are other issues that are Christian um, I know that not everybody would me on this but um, I'm personally I personally think that the death penalty is now maybe you disagree with that's fine that's
1: a moral issue one of the things that's coming is this talk
0: adolescent kids eight years old changing their sex is, Disgusting and wrong. Would have to make that decision. As this is the world that we're living in. And there are some things that, that we as a church, we need to just take a stand on and say, this is this is morally wrong. This is morally sinful. Um, and, and we need to lead in this, these aren't philosophical issues. However, most of the issues that are debated in the political realm are philosophical issues. And how you align your, generally has to do with two things, two factors that that play a part. One of them is reason, right? The way that you think about things, the philosophy that you have relating to government, structure, and the way that things should be. that there is a second thing that that influences our views on different topics and that's personal experience now I'll give you an example from my own life um, we had some friends that, that owned a restaurant uh, and they had an employee at their restaurant who was an illegal immigrant he, uh with an American citizen and um, so th- the relationship with the kid's was extremely unhealthy. She was an alcoholic, she was a drug addict, and so he left that relationship. He got a stable job, he got sober himself. He actually came to our church, uh, the church that I was in, Jesus, and one of turned his life around. While all this was going on, he was in the process of being deported by Immigration Services. And because his kids were American citizens, they would have to stay. And their mother would be given custody. Now, she was in a horrible place. And so the best case scenario for those that they would get put in the foster care system, but first they would go to custody with their mother, who was a drug addict and and who was abusive and just in a terrible place. And in November of 2014, President Obama passed amnesty uh, executive order allowed them to remain in the country. Now, that order didn't necessarily fit my political ideology. But at the moment, based on circumstances, those kids, my political ideology got thrown out the window. And, And I think what we need to realize sometimes is that even though Philosophies might be similar to people. Their experiences might dictate how they think about things differently. I remember that was about the same time uh, I actually came and candidated here in November 2014. And I remember breakfast, just the guys from our church and, talk, and this, this particular issue came, came up. And, um, you know, I shared the story with them. I will never forget this. One of the guys in that group um, he, after hearing that story like well I guess some of these issues are just a little bit more complicated on the surface, right? You know, we need to understand that people come from a vast variety of backgrounds and experiences in life. Some people vote the way that they do because they're a part of a labor union or because they have values in, in, in certain areas. And, and listen, to have the understanding, to know that certain things become more important at certain times because of the things they're going through, because of the things that they're experiencing. It doesn't mean right. It doesn't mean we're wrong in what you believe. But it at least gives us the grace to hear somebody else as a and to say, I land on a different place. I disagree with you, but it's okay we can still be friends. We can still have compassion for one another. Listen, if we could do that, our nation would be in such, in, in such a healthier place. Right? <laughs> I just saw this, uh, this political ad this past week. I think it was in Utah. And, and what was remarkable, it was both it's the Republican and the and, and they they got and they're like a lot of different. Uh, I I would be the guest best candidate. The other ones like I think it would be me. But we're not going to trash each other in this process. We're not going to hate each other. We're not going to say things about each other. We're gonna in a respectful manner because we it's more important. I couldn't believe it when I. I mean, what a revolutionary concept, right? We don't have to publicly degrade the other person to share what we think.
1: Now we've got a nation where it's just so bitter, so unhealthy. Church better. So yes, you guess spoken about what nuts I'm not keep your mouth shut right? we kind of talked about that that it's
0: this isn't you know pretending their values and just everybody think what they want to think now that's that's not good either in fact there are some ideas that are godly and some not right and, and maybe you have strong opinions on things that others disagree with it's okay Conversations, but loving manner. Show Christ to the world around us. And when we did, um, end with what happened. With the story of Josiah. I pick up in in chapter two, at verse. Eight. And, and, and the way this story kind of takes place is there's a construction project in the temple. They're fixing some things up, and Josiah's like, listen, I know there's some money somewhere, we're going to pay the laborers uh, with that money, go and find it. And so he assigned Kaia, the high priest at the time, to go and, and find the funds for the temple, and he did that, and he also found something else in the process, the book of the law. Now imagine this nation being founded as a nation where God was their governor, right? Like, he established their structure. He appointed the person who was to rule. Uh, it was, they were known as a judge, and that's how they started that way. And then the people demanded. And so imagine a nation that's ultimately that God was the one that was in charge of their affairs initially, and he spoke to them through prophets judges. They loved the book of the law. That's how far away they had drifted from what God had intended them. They didn't even have the most precious thing that they had, the word of God. They lost And Hilkiah, the high priest, he's, he's digging through the church, looking for money. He almost across the book of the law. And so verse 8 says this, And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Imagine, it's not the church. Go figure it out. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, His servants have emptied out the was found in the house and have delivered it the hand of the workman, and
1: the secretary told the king Hilkiah the priest, for the king
0: king this boy who did what was right in in the eyes of the lord had never even heard the word of god before <laughs> when the king heard the words of the book of the law he tore his clothes and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest of Ahab, the son of Shepher back the son of Secretary and these names just keep going on and on. The the king's servant saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. Great is the wrath kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. It's a pretty mature eight year old. according to all concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest and Ah Ahikam and Achbor and all the other Hebrew names, uh, (laughs) they they talked and, and she said to them, verse 14, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, I will bring disaster on this place. And upon its inhabitants, and in all the words of the book that the King of Judah because they've forsaken me and have made offerings might with all the work of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. Pretty dire circumstance. But to the king of Judea, who sent you to inquire the Lord, thus you shall say to him says the lord god of israel in your words that you have heard
1: because your heart tent and when you this place
0: its inhabitants become a desolation and you've torn your clothes and wept before me i have also heard you declares the lord therefore behold i will gather you to your And you shall be gathered to the grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. What was the key to moving God's judgment to his mercy? It was humility. Now I'll tell you right now, we are not that humility but if we're willing to say God blown it in a lot of ways and take ownership of it you know i, I remember Jeremiah when he was praying for his nation he didn't say you know God your people have really blown it here he said we have blown it and listen I, I know that as Christians we're people of faith But we live in a country, in a world that has chosen a lot of other paths.